on the record flips to the B side. I'm Mia Lobel, and this month on B side, we're going to the fair. We'll fill up on fried foods, ride some rides, and play some games, but that's not all. We'll also go to the races and actually witness the miracle of life, as on the record, flips to the B-side. For 150 years, folks have been gathering each summer in Sacramento for the California State Fair. Packed with greasy food, puke-inducing rides, oversized animals, oversized vegetables, bake-offs, cook-offs, acrobats, sideshow freaks, and other novelties, the fair is somehow supposed to represent the many facets of our great state. Always up for an adventure, the B-Side crew decides to check it out. And of course, we bring along our recording equipment. All right, racers, we're going for big noise at the sound of the bell. You're racing. Talk about sensory overload. There's a different pop song blaring from every direction as Dave, Lissa, Tamara, and I walk down the midway. We pass booth after booth of carnival games that offer large stuffed critters in exchange for a few dollars, a little skill, and a lot of luck. Game operators seem to be competing with each other to get our attention. Tamara gets suckered into a basketball game where you have to get an overfilled basketball into an undersized hoop. Six tries, five dollars, put them in the wind. Just ease it in there, Tam. Yeah, don't bank it. Put it in, no bank. Come on. Do it again, do it again. I know you can do it because I watched you do it the first time. Hit it, hit it, hit it. Tamara easily makes the first two shots and then misses the next four, trying to win a bigger toy. Come on now, put it in, put it in, put it in! Oh. All right. In the end, she walks away with a small but very cute stuffed Elmo doll. Travis Northcutt runs this booth, and before we move on, he gives us the inside scoop on his profession. What's it like working at the fair? Can I say it sucks on the radio? Sure. Yeah? It sucks. Why? Because I make 20 cents on the dollar, and if nobody plays the game, that means I don't get paid. So, you, work, you work on commission? Yeah. Therefore, I spend about 16 hours a day on my feet, right, screaming and yelling at people, talking through a cup, and at the end of the day, I'm lucky to make $3 an hour. I had no idea. What about the fun of the, you know, the atmosphere? Do you just get sick of it? Oh no, and it's fun, it's really fun. I get real live, I'll jump on the counter and scream at people and stuff, and I'll spin around, I'll let you slam dunk and everything else, you know. When it's fun, I make it fun for everybody, because if it's fun for them, it's fun for me. But when it's real slow and it's real hot, and there's no money, it's just no fun. We wish Travis luck and head toward a mass of stomach-churning metal contraptions, otherwise known as carnival rides. Most of us are a little leery of anything that can be set up or taken down in a day. But Sarah Neal is game, so we send her to investigate while the rest of us steer clear. Ever the intrepid reporter, Sarah gets a behind-the-scenes tour from a man whose family has been in the carnival ride business for three generations. I am 
Tony Fiore, the marketing media director for RCS, which is the Ray Kamek Shows the Carnival. Tony's my tour guide. He's a self-proclaimed macho man with a stocky build and a shock of black hair. He talks with his hands, wears a white golf shirt, a belt, and shorts. This is a brand new ride here called Spider-Mania. You can see it's got a lot of eyes and legs and hands, and he's ugly. But that's a kid's ride, and I'm over 48 inches tall. So I suggest the Ferris wheel, because it's the first thing you see when you approach the fair, and it's the one ride I'm allowed to take my microphone on. Tony calls it Le Grand Wheel, but he doesn't use a French accent. It's 16 stories tall. It takes 18 trucks to move. It has 50,000 lights. It's lashed to 12,000 gallons of water in cement containers that surround it on the ground and counterbalance its weight. That's nearly 144,000 pounds of wheel, folks. Come on. Tony waves a hand at the operator, ushers me to the front of the line and into a gondola. The gondolas are air-conditioned, which I like. I can see Sacramento in the distance. See, if you're looking back behind us, this is all of our support equipment in our home. See all these RVs? This is where we all live. Tony lives in one of those RVs about 10 months of the year. He joined what he called the family business 15 years ago, the second largest carnival company in the Western Hemisphere. RCS entertains 10 million people a year in 14 fairs across California, Arizona, and Texas. To do this, almost 400 employees, including Tony and 34 other Fiore family members, transport everything they need, personal belongings, 60 rides, and almost 50 games, in RV trailers and Mack trucks. He says the lifestyle is something you just get or you don't. It can't be taught. It's very difficult to take someone that has lived in the normal environment of the 8 to 5 life, going home every day and, and put him on the road and to live for 10 and a half months a year. Everything we do is mobile. We have to be able to uh, pick ourselves up and everything that we come with and put it on trucks and take it to the next area. From the Houston Livestock Show to the Orange County Fair in Costa Mesa and then to the Arizona State Fair in Pomona. And set it back up like a home and set it up like a business and do it all over again. The carnival and fair extend far out to our left and from the midst of it, a structure protrudes like the Space Needle. Tony tells me what it is as we exit our gondola and rejoin the crowd. It's the Mega Drop. A ride that pulls a handful of people up 120 feet, waits for one awful minute, and then plunges them at 70 miles per hour to the ground below. A ride I foolishly agree to go on. I would want to think that a radio lady would want to really experience the things that she was, so she could really convey the actual sensation and feeling to her listeners. Whatever. I don't know about sensation or feeling, I only know two things. One, I really felt I would die. And two, after I bravely rode this 120-foot plunge to the earth that he talked me into, Mr. Self-Proclaimed Macho Man had the nerve to wimp out on my ride selection, the spin-out. You're going to go over to this three-dimensional wild thing uh-huh. and not have that fear. Absolutely. No way. You were not going to oh, do this? I'm not going with you. I've ridden whoa, it. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Whoa, whoa, wait a second. Call me whatever you like, how many times you want to. I am not riding that ride with you right now. Why not? I've ridden it twice, but it took me an hour to put my pieces back. <laughs> so, I hand him my mic, since I'm not allowed to take it on this one. Do you want to hold this, since you won't come with me? And Tony stays on the ground to deliver commentary. No screaming! They're smiling quite nicely right now. We're having lots of fun, just hanging around upside down. 
this time around, boys and girls, let me know you had a good time. Let me hear you make some noise. Well, they've completed the ride. We're going to get a live comment coming up from the California State Fair Sacramento. It was wonderful. I think that maybe you really have some things that we need to talk about, some issues. Some issues? Yeah, I mean, the first one we rode bothered you and that one didn't. We should probably turn the tape off and talk. <laughs> As Tony theorizes on why people have different reactions to rides, I look around the crowd and wonder, why is this fun? A carnival in the heat with rides that make people sick in crowded walkways. Do all these people like pain? Do we like to be scared? So I asked Tony, and he says everyone here is looking for a piece of tradition. The uh, bright colors and the excitement of, you know, the people trying to get you to play the games and the cotton candy and the smell of popcorn and, and just the lights and everything going on. The, our guest wants that. He, he remembers that as a child. And, you know, it's, it's about memories. And me bringing my family when I used to go to the carnival and telling them about and sharing that moment with them. As a child growing up, I remember when the county fair came to town, and I used to get excited for months. He says that's what his family business and most other carnival contracting companies work to satisfy, this memory or expectation. And, he says, that's why every carnival has to have a Ferris wheel. For B-Side, this is Sarah Neal. Californians are famous for being health conscious, until they get to the fair. Here, you'll need luck to find anything organic, heirloom, or free range, unless it's over in the livestock or agriculture halls. It seems like every food stand sells something fried. And we're not just talking about french fries and onion rings. The folks that prepare carnival food have taken deep frying to new heights. We spot a booth advertising deep fried Snickers, and it's just too disgusting to resist. Oh, here's the fried candy bar. Who's going to actually eat it? I'll, I will participate I'll partially. I'll, I'll take a bite. Yeah. I don't think I can do it. I think that just totally goes against everything I believe in. There's nothing wrong. Nothing wrong at all. My dad, dad you... used to, my dad used to convince my brother and I that if you took one bite of a Twinkie or a Ding Dong, you would die. He was like, wow. that'll kill you. you must have we a, were afraid. You must have a skinny father. He is very skinny. <laughs> I, on the other hand, was taught to appreciate the snowballs and the ding-dongs and the Twinkies <laughs> as fine culinary treats. While we wait for our deep-fried treat, a couple of guys in forest service uniforms, Tim and Eric, walk up holding a shrink-wrapped cookie. You notice you're trying to get your cookies deep-fried? Uh, well, yeah. Yeah, you know, to see how it tastes, because you don't really know how they would taste if they weren't deep-fried if you don't try it. They got deep-fried everything else, so why not deep-fried oatmeal cream pie cookies? Nah, health department says no. Outside food, so. The guys head off and we prepare for our deep fried delicacy. And there it is. Tamara takes a bite. <laughs> oh my god. It's so chewy you can barely like bite off a hunk of it. 
Let okay. me try some. That's pretty disgusting. After the initial shock, it's fairly good. Dave, you want to finish it off? Mia? I'm good. While Tamara polishes off the last of our Snickers, Erica Kelly does a little more exploring and finds that fried candy bars are only the beginning. The fair's Carnival Midway is lined with vendors, hawking just about every kind of junk food you can imagine, and some I don't even want to think about. There are the classic fried treats like fennel cake, churros, corn dogs, and artichoke hearts, and then there are the new kids on the block. Vendors recently launched an international sensation when they decided a quick dip in some hot oil would refresh the tired old Twinkie. And now people are coming to the fair just to try the freakish fried creations. My name is Vince and I'm from Sacramento. This is what we came for, the state fair to try the infamous deep fried Twinkie. So I'm just about ready to dig in and let's see how it tastes here. Very good. Mmm, crunchy and delicious, and it's got a berry sauce with oozing goo in the middle, which is very, oh, so good. Delicious. I love it. Are you a fan of Twinkies regularly? No. <laughs> I, I just love the thought of eating a deep fried Twinkie, so that's what I'm doing, and you know, now I can tell everybody, I've had the deep fried Twinkie at the State Fair. Since the Twinkie became such a hit, the fair has become a living laboratory for fried food, with inventive cooks bent over their vats of bubbling oil like mad scientists. My name is Charlie. I'm Chicken Charlie. So are you the inventor of the fried Oreo? I am the inventor, yes. We uh, went to a store, 7-Eleven, and bought all the Hostess, one of all the Hostess uh, uh, different products and some of the Nabisco products, and came back and deep fried everything. And um, I found the Oreo cookie was to be the best tasting one. And next year we're going to do those little mini blueberry muffins. They, they were pretty good too. After a little begging, Charlie breaks down and shares his recipe for the perfect fried Oreo. Um, we take an Oreo cookie right out of the wrapper and we uh, dip it in a pancake mixed with water, a wet batter, and we deep fry it for about a minute and a half. And then after that we pull it out and we put the toppings on, the chocolate syrup, the sprinkles and the powdered sugar. And, and it, it's uh, nice and warm inside, and it's delicious. Well, I can't just take his word for it. We're going to see Erica's reaction to as she tries this delicious deep-fried Oreo cookie. Oh, that, <laughs> it's hot. Set it down. It tastes like a really good donut. <laughs> really good donut. I love it. Now the Oreo is just turned to mush inside there. Oh, my goodness. I don't think it's I can really eat a whole one. It? It's really good. <laughs> I have a confession to make. This may be the first time I've stopped after just one Oreo. But with their fried coating, these Oreos puff up to about five times the size of their supermarket cousins. And that's probably why Charlie can sell them four at a time for three bucks. Well, with dessert out of the way, I decide to see what's being fried up for lunch. My name is Doris. My last name is Cotton. You're at the Soul Burger Place. And um, so what do you sell here? So burgers, chitlins, hot links, red beans and rice, catfish on a stick. Come and you will enjoy. It's habit forming, so everyone says. Catfish on a stick, so is it, is it fried catfish? It's fried catfish, deep fried catfish. 
It's our first year doing it, and it is a winner. We're going to keep it. I have to agree with Doris. The fried catfish is a winner, and a definite improvement over the classic lunch on a stick, the corn dog. It seems that a lot of the food here at the fair is fried. Why do you think that is? People like fried food. Even though California want to always say, I'm on a diet. Our way to say we're not on a diet. They love fried food. Fried vegetables, fried meat, fried... They even have fried ice cream here. Did you know that? Well, I didn't know that. In fact, I'm a bit mystified. How in the world can you fry ice cream without it melting into a big mess? Unfortunately, the ice cream man refuses to divulge his secrets on tape. Apparently, the food business at the fair is pretty cutthroat. The man who claims he launched the Twinkie craze says he's got something up his sleeve for next year, but it's top secret. It's frightening to think what these people will put into their deep fryers next. So when the fair rolls into town next August, I'll be ready, with a pile of napkins and a bottle of Pepto-Bismol. Feeling a little bit sick to my stomach? For B-Side, I'm Erica Kelly. You're listening to B-Side. I'm Mia Lobel, and this month we're reporting from the 150th California State Fair. A big part of the fair is dedicated entirely to farm animals. Whole buildings are filled with cows, horses, sheep, goats, and pigs, all competing to be the best in the state. There's even the first ever equine clone. But what really draws the crowds is the baby animal tent, which is home to dozens of newborn animals. Most of them are just days, even hours old. And if you stick around long enough, you might just see a baby cow being born before your very eyes. Dave Gilson and Lissa Mudd put together this sound portrait of an attraction that really delivers an unusual treat. Dave provides the play-by-play. This is a hurry-up-and-wait situation. She'll deliver sometime within the next 30 minutes to an hour and a half, all right? My name is Ben Norman. I'm a veterinarian. I work for the University of California. This is my project, the tent and the livestock nursery. This is the 27th year that we've been doing this here at the California State Fair. Also, sometimes in the front row it gets a little juicy, so if you're wearing a nice silk blouse, you may not want to sit in the front row, okay? We keep four cows on the premises, and uh, we'll have between 20 and 25 calves born here at the fair during the fair period. But it's all normal birth. We don't induce anything. So a couple of very tiny white hooves just popped out of the back of the cow. There you go. My name is Carol Vetri. I'm going to be a second year at UC Davis School of Veterinary Medicine. This year I got to deliver two, um, and it was a lot of fun. It was, uh, it's really easy, uh, only because they mostly do it themselves. Occasionally we'll have somebody say, well, doesn't that embarrass the cow, having babies up there on stage? And my response is, I have never seen a red-faced cow. Down, down, down. Oh, whoa. Almost halfway out. Oh, and it is out. Okay, whoa, not too much noise now. Now, drag your calf right, leave the chains on there, take your calf. Much faster than I expected. It just popped right out. You know, it, everyone's different, and uh, the, the sight of birth and the sight of new life is always a little bit exciting. 
everybody wants to see the babies, always, you know. So the nursery at the hospital is always the most, you know, the main place. There is a gross-out factor, but I think the joy of a birth, you know, and childbirth is just very exciting, and people, it's natural, and people really enjoy it. You know, little baby animals are cute. We clean them up pretty fast and try to get the placenta out of there as fast as possible so they don't have to look at the mom eating it or whatever. <laughs> I, have a little, I had a little girl one time ask me, how did you get that calf in there? You know, so we get a chance to talk about the birds and the bees. And I had a little, I had two cows up on stage once, a heifer and a bull, okay? And a little girl about four years old said, how do you know that's a heifer and that's a bull? I said, but loan me your child. And we put her in there with it. I took her around and I pulled the tail up on the little heifer calf. And I said, now that's what a heifer calf is. That's a little girl calf. Oh, okay. Took him around to the little bull calf and pulled the little bull calf. And she said, that's just like my little brother. <laughs> So she understood immediately what was going on. But we generally ask the crowd to pick four names, you know, we pick four people, four names, and then we vote on it. So whatever they pick is fine with us, whatever it is. Baby Chaos, most popular names are always Charlie, Gus, um, and girls' names, Emily, Katie, Callie. So if you just stop by, we have a brand new little calf up here on stage. She's about an hour and 15 minutes old. Her name is Callie. She's a little heifer calf, which means she's a girl. The fairgrounds does a, uh, an exit poll every year. Agriculture is always the number one. And we're always here at the tent either number one or number two, depending on. One year we got beat out by the, when they had a uh, pot-bellied pig show. Another year we got beat out when they had an ostrich show and had the ostriches over here. But we're usually either number one or number two. It looks like little Callie is trying to stand up once more. It takes them a few tries to get it down right. And there she goes. Dave Gilson and Lissa Mudd are longtime B-side contributors and are not afraid of placentas. While all this miracle of life stuff is going on, Tamara's been hanging out at the horse track. There are plenty of thoroughbred horse races here at the fair, but Tamara is drawn to a different breed. Sure, horses are majestic, powerful racers, the stuff of blockbuster movies and best-selling books. But have you ever seen a wiener dog running at full speed? Better yet, imagine the slow-mo replay as their little leg muscles ripple and their floppy ears wave in the wind. It's an absurdly amazing sight. And for the past few years at the state fair, between the horse races, pint-sized dachshunds have taken to the track. Their prize, a golden cape emblazoned with the year of their victory, and of course, bragging rights for their proud owners. I'm Susan Dementi and my husband Dave, and we have two, Hunter and Ripken. Ripken is a miniature, about 16 pounds, tan, and very active. And Hunter is kind of a real smooth dog, about 11 pounds, and he really is fast himself. Ripken is named after Cal Ripken, the baseball player. Hunter just likes to dig through stuff. Ripken's very intense. He, uh, he's got a competitive heart. He's gonna do well if we can 
I think he's gonna do really well, actually. I'm hoping, I'm hoping, I'm hoping. Unless he gets out there and chokes. And the Dementes have seen a lot of other dogs get out there and choke. They've been watching all day, waiting for their race. Susan is confident Ripken will be different from the other dogs. Most of the dogs are like stopping, they're not running. They're just, the gate's open and they just kind of sit there. So if he takes off, he'll be pretty quick. He's taller than most wiener dogs. If you notice, he's got longer legs. So I'm hoping that's an advantage. <laughs> At this point, it may help to know how these races work. For each dog to race, two people are needed. At one end, there's a white box with six chutes. One owner puts the doxy, as they're known in the wiener dog racing biz, in its chute. And about 100 feet away, the other owner stands with the squeaky toy or a treat to entice their pet to the finish line. Like all doxy owners here at the fair, Ted Sommerfeld thinks he has the perfect method to make his wiener dog a winner. This is Titus. We call him the mighty Titus. And this is his first race this year. And he's going to win. He's got that winning attitude. He knows we got a biscuit. And he responds to this straw. When you blow on it, it makes a whistle. He and his wife have been helping Titus train. But he still has some concerns. When you're out on that track, the soil is loose. It's about two or three inches of loose soil. So it almost comes up to their, I don't know, it'd be like our kneecaps probably <laughs> for a little doxy. Uh, my name is Jeannie Davis. This is my son, Aaron Davis, and our dog's name is Baron. Baron is already an experienced racer. Last year, he competed in the Wiener Nationals and came in second in his heat. But Jeannie swears she doesn't take it too seriously. Too much can happen. You know, last time he kind of, he got a little bit disoriented out of the box. And then he straightened out and ran. But by that time, two other dogs had already hit it. He caught one of them, but then, you know, it was too late. How are you guys going to do this? Well, um, he puts him in the box. And then I go to the finish line and I squeak and call. And he's like, he has a OCD. So he's totally obsessed. He, uh, he plays ball from sunup to sundown, no st non-stop, OCD. Ball, 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 ball. Squeaky toy, squeaky toy, squeaky toy. So he's just gonna, he's gonna come right to this. Yes, you heard that right. OCD as in obsessive compulsive disorder. Yeah, he's got doggy OCD. They wanted to medicate him, but you know, they give him like doggy, doggy Prozac. She opted to keep Baron off the drugs. Plus, being a little obsessed helps his racing. Before she can fully explain her dog's psychiatric problems, the race organizer starts herding the doxies and their owners out to the track. Come on, come on, come on, let's go! Okay, ladies and gentlemen, please direct your attention to the racetrack. The doxins are coming out to the racetrack for race number five of the doxing derby. Hey, they're all in the box. Racing. Rusty is heading out to the lead of Baron. Baron, Rusty, and Steffi is third. Rusty, Baron, here's the line. It's Rusty the win. Baron comes Rusty in second, and Jeannie Davis Baron. rushes off the course breathless. Oh my gosh, that That was great. He did so much better. He tracks right on it. But that number five was so fast. I wonder who that was. The mighty Titus comes in at the middle of the pack. And the Dementes don't fare so well. Hunter actually ran around to the back of the box looking for his mom. And Susan says Ripken also gave a disappointing performance. It didn't go quite the way we planned. 
Although when he got running, he was really heck of fast. But then he got distracted again. Yeah. Poor guy. So next year? Oh yeah. Maybe we can train them this time. Anything's better than what they just did. <laughs> Do you think that they they feel the stress of this? No. Do you think they feel the letdown? No. I don't think they could care less. <laughs> I think they enjoy the adrenaline. Ripkin, you want to go home? For Ripkin, Hunter, Titus, and Baron, I imagine the sting of defeat was reduced at least a little by knowing there was no chance they'd have to don that silly golden championship cape. For B-Side, I'm Tamara Keith. The day is waning, the B-Side crew is hot and tired and very full, so we pack up our equipment and head home. Safe to say we had a great time at the California State Fair, and you can be sure we'll be there again next year. California, California, you're such a wonder that I think I'll stay. That's all for this month's edition of B-Side. Our crew this month is Dave Gilson, Lissa Mudd, and Sarah Neal. Tamara Keith is our senior producer. Our theme music was composed by Dave Kaufman. B-Side will return on October 29th with a show about the circus. Uh, I mean politics. In the meantime, On the Record is back October 15th. I'm Mia Lobel. Thanks for listening. California.
instead. All you gotta do is press the buttons down on top and aim at that little dog. First one that turns our light on is gonna win choice. Are we ready? All right, here we go. Press them down, hold them down, and let's hit that hole. Come on, people. Water that hole. Watch out what it go. They're moving their good. That water's a flowing. It's a going. You gotta get it up. You gotta get it in. You gotta be the first to reach a very tippity 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 top the way. All the way to the top, nonstop. And you all got beat by number three. Close race here, though, sir. Close chase over there, too. But the young lady got you all.